endless majesty Love takes us by the hand Love is the wildest sense You are the joy in fighting me Lifted high over the clouds up into the blue sky. Hearts open wide, hands lifted high over the clouds up into the blue sky. Hearts open wide, hands lifted high over the clouds up into the blue sky. Hearts open wide, hands lifted high over the clouds up into Welcome to Impact Church. We are so excited for you to be here. Uh, the first Sunday of the new year. And we welcome you. Uh, I just want to say for those of you who are visitors, maybe this is your first time at Impact Church. We are excited that you have chosen to be here and worship with us. And we are super excited. And for those of you who are continual, those who are regulars, Praise the Lord. Thank you for being here and supporting uh, Impact Church. Uh, I want to start with an announcement on Celebrate Recovery. So it's one of the ministries that we at Impact Church support. Um, we have David and Debbie O'Brien in the back. Y'all wave David and Debbie. So they um, run Celebrate Recovery, which is a Christian discipleship program uh, that focuses on recovery, um, but it does more than just that. I mean, it, it is 
it is growing in the Lord. It's learning the disciplines of the Lord um, and having victory over things that uh, pull you away from the Lord. And so they have a table set up over here uh, as you go out the door. And so please stop by and see them. Uh, talk to Dave and Debbie uh, about that. Uh, the other thing I, I want to mention uh, is the Impact Church Goal Board. Um, as we are trying to raise funds um, through the blessing of the Lord to continue the work out at our property on 811 next to the fire department. Uh, if you haven't driven by there lately, you need to drive by and look out into the field uh, and see our future home that God has blessed us with. <clears throat> um, we are praying and praying and praying that the Lord continues to bring the financial means for us to keep doing that, um, to, to grow it the way that the Lord wants. And so um, over next to the goal board, uh, also we have the offering box over there. I know that Brad doesn't really publicly say a lot about tithing, okay, but, but God, if God has blessed you, um, we just pray that you feel led to uh, contribute uh, tithe to Impact Church, all right, especially if it's your home church, uh, we depend upon that, and I just pray that uh, even though Brad doesn't publicly say a lot about giving, um, we trust the Lord for everything that comes in. And so thank you ahead of time for those of you that are giving, those of you who have given, uh, not only to our building project, but to all the ministries uh, that we do. All right, with that said, uh, we are going to hear uh, from Jeremy Lee uh, for our youth announcement. Um, and then I got a few more things, and then we will get started with worship. Good morning, good morning. Just uh, two quick announcements. One, just a reminder, youth starts back up tonight. We had the last two weeks off with Christmas and New Year's and everything like that. Give you guys time to recover, enjoy family time, open up presents, whatever it is that you guys do over those two weeks. And then next week, I just want parents to know we have a parents meeting. We try to at least do one, maybe two every year, but I like to start off every year just trying to lay out kind of, hey, here's what this year is going to kind of look like. Here's activities, here's events, here's what we got camp in the summer, just everything that we can think of that we're going to do throughout the year. I try to, as the year winds down and we're about to start the new year, my goal is to always try to write down and just try to plan out to the best of my ability what what the next year looks like. What's the goals that we want to try to accomplish and meet as Impact Student Ministry. And so next week, if you're interested, if you have some teens that you know, are just trying to find a youth group that will love them and have some friends and, and just a place that they can call home and call family. Come join us at 6 o'clock every Sunday night. We are still meeting at the weight room as well until we either get kicked out of there because someone else has taken over or maybe until the church building is built. So one of those two options, but we are still meeting at the weight room as of right now. We will let you know if that changes, if that does, we will most likely be meeting out of Thomas Jefferson Elementary Gym. So just with that being said, I just want, again, encourage you guys, bring your teens out. The more teens we have, again, I'm not a numbers person per se, but the more people you have, the better relationships, community, fun we can have as well. So bring them out, come join us. And if you have any questions, you can find me after this service, just kind of mingling around. So thank you guys. Awesome, thank you. 
Uh, so January 21st, you need to mark your calendar. All right, we are having the annual uh, soup and chili cook-off uh, that will be happening, which is basically a lunch here that we'll do after the service. All right, if you are interested in participating, uh, you'll be, go ahead, just bring in your soup or your chili. Uh, if you're not big into making that, um, you can bring a side or you can bring desserts, and we will plan on having lunch together um, after the service, and that is on the 21st. So mark your calendar for that, please. And that also is in celebration of eight years, all right? Our eight-year birthday, eighth-year birthday will be coming up. Yeah, eight years. God has used Impact Church for the forest community, uh, so that's part of the celebration also. All right, um, let me talk about life groups. So life groups are getting ready to restart for the spring, all right? If you are not involved in a life group, uh, we would love to get you plugged in. Uh, we have our, our website, um, and, and we can help you get plugged into a group. I know Brad's going to talk about one specific life group that's starting up, but there is a number of them. Uh, women's, uh, I know my wife is going to be involved with a women's uh, Bible study uh, through one of the books that they're going to be doing. So a lot of opportunities to do other services, other ministries. So keep life groups in mind. If you are not plugged in, we would love for you to be part of that. And then last, serving. Again, I mentioned this um, a couple weeks ago when I was up here that we are still looking for people to get connected. If that's you, we want you connected to our church, your church, the Lord's church. Uh, we want you connected. Find a way to plug in. We always need help. We have children's ministry downstairs that are always in need of people helping with that ministry. Uh, we have the, the setup and teardown ministry, which a lot of you help after service, which is awesome. There's so many ways you can get plugged in. Hospitality, um, start praying. What does God want you to do? Because he wants you to do something, all right? And so we want you to be plugged in, all right, with that. So we are talking about serving. We're talking about life groups, so many things going on. And my last and final announcement is FCA. So uh, we know that we did a great ministry with football, all right? The basketball coach got up with me this week and gave me a schedule and said, hey, here's our schedule, here's our practice schedule. When can you all come in, all right? And I was so excited. So, yeah, we are in connection with the basketball team now. Um, not this week, but the following week is going to be our first meeting uh, with the basketball team, with the whole goal of sharing Christ, giving them some food. We're probably going to do pizza. Um, so be praying over that. Um, I may be looking at doing another little sign-up uh, to try to get a couple people to, to help out with desserts, maybe a box of chips or something that we can do with the pizza. But, hey, kids love getting food, and when you have them with the food, all right, then they're in your audience, and you can share the gospel with them. So what a blessing for that. So be in prayer for that. All right, let's pray for today's service. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this church. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for a new year, Lord. I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit upon this place. Send your Holy Spirit, Lord, upon each heart, upon every family that's represented here. Lord, we just pray for the, the message from Pastor Brad, that your hand would be upon him. Lord, that your hand would be upon every ministry that you offer for Impact Church to reach this community, to reach the lost. 
Lord, may we be a light and, a salt, and be salt for you. We love you. We praise you in Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen. So glad to see you this morning, Impact Family. Let's stand together as we worship our Lord today. Oh, 
Yes, Lord, amen. Are you thankful for his grace today? Can you say amen to that? Hallelujah, amen. So thankful for the grace of our God. This next song is a new song that we've been learning called King of Glory. And the, and the first verse says, Yes, the world will bow down and say you are God. Every man will bow down and say you are king. So why should we wait? Let's go ahead and, and proclaim him as King of Glory from all the earth. Let's worship him today.
I was, amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Whenever we sing that song, I just think about Isaiah and when he went into the presence of the Lord and how his presence filled the temple and uh, how he realized the awesome and awesomeness and the holiness of God. And we have that same privilege here. We are in his house today and we are so blessed by his presence. And so we just need to be thankful and just say, Lord, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for your mercy that we sang about, your grace that we sang about. Lord, thank you that you are the king of glory and that we can be in your presence. Lord, that we can throw up our hands and say hallelujah. That we can say thank you, Jesus, for loving us when we were unlovable. God, that you made a way where there was no way. So let's sing this to our Father today, that we sing hallelujah to him.
so much you may be seated I'm so thankful that we can sing hallelujah to our God thankful for his goodness and as we enter this new year 2024 let our prayer be that this year will be a year of bringing him even more glory than before and just loving him and worshiping him for all that he is thankful for his mercy, for his goodness, for his grace, for his kindness, and uh, just so thankful that we can be in his presence today. We are also thankful to have uh, Sydney Ewald with us uh, today. She's a new member of our worship team, and uh, as uh, Pastor Brad is beginning this uh, sermon series on James, we're just thinking about how this is an opportunity for growth in our lives and to find our identity in Christ. And so Sydney had shared a song with us uh, several weeks ago that she had written and just wanted to share a little bit about how God gave her this song and to share that song with us this morning. So um, I'm going to turn it over to Sydney so she can uh, share that story with us. And uh, thank you so much. As you know here, I'm newer here. My family just moved here in July. Um, I'm 16 years old and I'm a sophomore in high school. And this song is called Growing Season. I wrote it when I was about 12 years old. So I was in middle school at the time. And middle school is kind of just like an iffy time where you're trying to figure out who you are and same with high school. And so I was just trying to find my identity and I was in a public school, so there was a lot of drug use and um, profanity and just poor language, and I was surrounded by a toxic environment, and God called me out of there, Um, and just during that time, I really found myself through the Lord, and He changed me, and He showed me who I am, and I wrote a song about it. And I think this applies today to today's message as well. And just going into the new year as we're having new beginnings and we are, this is our growing season right now because we're starting in a new year and a new beginning and I'm still growing and so are all of you. And so I hope you can get something out of this song.
your name, Father, today. God, we thank you. God, as we were just witnessing uh, the truth in that song, God, that, God, this is a growing season that you have called us to. And Lord, we uh, we just want to be more like you. As, as the song said, Lord, water us. Lord, uh, shine, your, shine your light on us so that we can grow for your glory. God, and find our trust and our significance and our identity in you, God. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for Pastor Brad as he comes here just to share the truth of your word with us, God. And Lord, help us to be changed by that today, to be more like you. We thank you for loving us, for this opportunity to continue to worship you through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Happy New Year 2024, church. How are we doing this morning? All right. Hope everybody's doing well and uh, not sick from the holidays and all that fun stuff and uh, ready to charge into 2024. Uh, so welcome here with us this morning. Maybe you're visiting with us for the first time. We like to say every single week, uh, we're glad you're worshiping with us. And if you're searching for a church home, a place to get plugged in and a place to call home, we hope the Lord will lead you right here. God's doing an amazing work. We would love for you and your family to be a part of what God's doing. If you're looking for a church that preaches uh, God's word unapologetically, preaches the full counsel of God's word, and does not leave any holes in it because we're not ashamed of God's word, you're in the right place. Unfortunately, those churches are getting few and farther between anymore. So welcome to Impact this morning. So again, happy 2024, new year, a lot of things kicking back off. Celebrate recovery today, three to five over at the weight room, uh, as well as uh, youth getting back uh, tonight as well. So middle school, high, high school, uh, come out and hang out. Also, a lot of life groups getting cranked back up here. Um, ours will be going not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. 
And then I want to announce another a new uh, life group that will be starting here January 23rd. Tuesday, January 23rd is going to be a life group led by Donna and Cush. Where are you guys at? Y'all wave over here on the side. They're waving. They're bashful. They're on the side. They're waving. You see them, and, and we'll announce this more over the next couple weeks. But they're going to be starting a new life group that I believe is going to be drastically important for every single one of us to attend at some point because they're going to run this continuously um, uh, maybe once or twice a year. And it's called The Truth Project, and it's put out by Focus on the Family. And what it does is an eight-week kind of course and study that takes you through a biblical worldview on just about everything in your life. Guys, I want to let you know that a lot of the problems we face in our society today is because people, even people inside the church, don't have a biblical worldview on everything that they face. I don't know if you know that or not, but guys, we are to take God's word and look at everything and do everything through the lens of scripture. That's what this is going to teach us to do. And so I want you to be a part of that. Be looking forward to that. Uh, Kelly's going to try to put something up on our website and on the church center app here later today. So it'll definitely be up by tomorrow, but it's eight weeks starting January 23rd in the truth project. So be looking forward to that. I'm going to try to be a part of that for me as well. Um, be in prayer, uh, Tim and Angie, of course, in Finland, freezing to death and all that fun stuff. I think uh, Tim preached in a, a church yesterday with a, an interpreter. I think they got some hockey games going on this week, and it's like negative wind chills up there. Their nose hairs are freezing. No? So, so be in prayer for them. And then uh, also, uh, man, we're thankful for Daniel Hinckley, and we know that we just sent him as a missionary uh, to the Fiesta Bowl last week. And God used him in an amazing way and, uh, to share Christ during the tailgate uh, session before the game. Then he screamed at the referees for four quarters. And then after that, he went out and gave hundreds, like almost 800 barbecue sandwiches out in the Phoenix area with a team of people that come with him. And they went out to the homeless in the streets, guys, and they shared barbecue sandwiches, Gatorades, and gave socks as well, warm socks to these people out there. So we're going to show a video of a little clip he put together so y'all can see some of uh, uh, kind of what happened out there in Phoenix this past week through the Lord.
Amen. Right there, you see one of the homeless men putting on his socks that just heard about Jesus right there. I love it. Thank you, Daniel, for, for being the hands and feet of Jesus and answering and saying yes uh, to go and take on that task. So, hey, guys, that's what Impact's about. We want to reach the lost. We want to uh, make disciples and tell people about Jesus. And we get to do that again here in 2024. And I'll tell you what's exciting here, not uh, next Sunday, but the Sunday after, we get to celebrate a new birthday. So we completed our seventh year. So we'll be officially seven years old, which means starting next week, uh, the 21st, the weekend of the 21st, we will start our eighth year as a church. And I don't know about you, I know that the number eight in the Bible is the year of new beginnings. And I think that's so appropriate for everything God has in front of us and, and what's going to happen and what God's going to continue to do through this church as we charge ahead in the year of new beginnings, year eight. Uh, getting ready to happen. So excited for everything God's doing. So now let's dive into our, our New Year's message today. And uh, I wanted to do this as a standalone message for the kickoff Sunday of 2024. Everybody anticipates the opening kickoff of a big event, right? Well, this is opening Sunday, opening kickoff of 2024. And I'm looking forward, I don't know about you, to all God's going to do. I know that all he's overcome in the past and all he's going to overcome in the future. And he's going to charge ahead through his son and through his spirit to pave a way for us that want to seek him and live according to his will. So that's basically what today's message is going to be about, is a, a good shot in the arm for us as we charge into 2024. And the title of today's message is Life Without Limits. Life Without Limits, Experiencing God's Best. Boy, I don't know about you, but that would be a great motto for us to have in 2024, to have a, a life lived without limits in Christ through his spirit and experience God's best, even through difficult and trying circumstances. You know, when you think of uh, limits and a life without limits, you think of a journey. And, and, and if you think of a, a journey, maybe you've taken a long trip, maybe some of you over the holidays have, have done that. And when you start out on this long travel, this long journey, uh, there's a lot of roads, and, and these roads have these little signs on the side with numbers on them. What are they called? Speed limit signs, right? And, and you have to match your vehicle speedometer to what's on that sign. And if you go too far over that, you get in trouble, okay, potentially. All right. So although in, in a journey in a car, we know that there's roads, there's speed limits, but we know, get this, our car can do much better than what that number on that sign says, right? Hopefully none of y'all have really tried that out. There's officers in the room, okay? But your car will go faster than what the number on that sign says. No matter what the sign says, it will go faster. But the speed limit is there for safety. Of course, we know that, right? So, but guys, that's good on the highway, but that's not good in our spiritual journey. To live a life with limits, and guys, I'm going to tell you today, so many people in the church, and I've done it and you've done it, we've lived a spiritual life with self-limitations on us, where we've imposed limits on our spirituality, on our faith, on our ability and our willingness to step out for Christ, and we've self-imposed that. Why? Because we want to feel safe, because we want to feel comfortable. And guys, God wants us to step out into the unknown, and because he's put an engine under our hood called his spirit that can go way faster than what most Christians live their life like. And that in fact, we can live the limitless life spiritually because we serve a limitless God. 
And all things are possible through him. So I don't know what you faced in the past, and I don't know what you and I are going to face in the future in this year ahead, but I can know this, and I can tell you this, and we're going to see through his word today, that we can choose to live a life without limits and experience God's best no matter what. Let me pray for us real quick before we dive in. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we praise you, Father, for who you are, Lord, that you our God, Lord, that you are mighty, you are holy, you are worthy of our praise, Lord, not just with our lips, but with our hearts and with our lives. Lord, move in us today. Lord, as we start this new year, this 2024, and as we look ahead to the beginning of an eighth year as a church, this year of new beginnings, Father, we look in great anticipation as to all you have for us, not just with a building, because this is not a building, it's a tool. It's a tool to be used for your glory to reach other people. Lord, I pray that you would move us. I pray that you would bring people to this flock, Lord, that need to be here, that their hearts, their lives, their families need to be discipled and grow in you. Lord, that they could lock arms with this body and we could charge together and serve each other in this church. We could serve this community, that we could serve Jesus and watch you do a great and mighty work as we know we can live life without limits because of you. And Lord, that you are all powerful. And Lord, you can bring the all of power of heaven to be manifested on this earth and in our lives and in our situations. So Lord, no matter what we face, we can face tomorrow with hope because you are sovereign and you are God. Lord, I pray that you would move in this place. You would change hearts and minds today and change lives and you get all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to be all through the Bible today. And of course, you know that if you've been at Impact for a while, if you're going to keep up with me, you got to have a Bible. All right, because we're going we're going to hear from God's Word. Because I don't want you to hear my Word. I want you to hear God's Word. Amen. So we go through Scripture. You may be in churches that you know they may read a verse and maybe a second one and tell stories the whole time. That's not what you get here. All right, we're going to grow in God's word, and we're going to go deep, and we're going to have uh, scripture explained. We're going to present truth. So we're going to dive in in John chapter 1 today in a passage that you're probably familiar with, and I want to go ahead and read that, and then through that, we're going to grab out 10 truths today that we can live by as we start this new year and move forward in what will be the rest of our lives, as long as the Lord leaves any of us here. So not just this year, but for all the years to come. So turn John chapter 1, we're going to read verse 43 through 51. 43 through 51, and what we're going to get is this story of Philip and Nathanael. And we're going to see the difference that Jesus makes. Let's read. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. 
Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. All right. There's some good stuff in there. And right off the bat in verse 43, we get this call from Jesus to one of his disciples, Philip, to start with. And what does he say? He found Philip and he said to him, he said two words. What are those words? Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Jesus says the same thing to us today, guys. And how many of us fall short on that first command right there? What are you following right now in your life? What are you chasing after, in other words? Are you chasing after a dollar? Are you chasing after fame? Are you just trying to to numb the pain and the hurt of life and you're chasing after hope in a bottle or in a drug or in a relationship? Jesus said, follow me. Why would he say that? What does that mean for us today? So if you're taking notes, our first point today, our first truth that we need to, to grab hold of to go into 2024 is follow Jesus. Man, if you don't do that, nothing else, no other New Year resolution, whatever you do or don't do or accomplish or don't accomplish this year even matters if you don't follow Jesus. What are you following? What are you worshiping? Guys, our hearts are created to worship, and right now you're worshiping something. What are you worshiping? Worship Jesus. What that means is follow him. And when Jesus said this word, the word to follow, it actually is used in the full sense as follow as a disciple. As God is, Jesus is your leader. He's your Lord, and you're seeking after him. This is a word used in a present tense, and it has a continuous force in the Greek. So what that means is a continuous follow me. It's not a one time. I did that one time. I did that one week, and I'm good. So now I can say I know Jesus. No, it's a continuous follow. Guys, we got to get that. Jesus backed that up in another passage that you're probably familiar with. You've heard me quote so many times. I consider it my life first, and it's Matthew 16, verse 24 through 26. And Jesus said this. He said, but if anyone will come after me, anyone, anyone, anyone who wants to call themselves a Christian, what must they do? They must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Got it? Because what does he say afterwards? If you want to save your own life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you're going to find it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the entire world in 2024, yet forfeits his soul? Guys, that's a call from our Lord to follow him. He started it with Philip, and Philip answered the call. Will you today, will you answer that call to Jesus today, to every single one of us, to follow him? That's the first and, and biggest priority in 2024 and resolution you should have. It's for me. It's to follow Jesus wherever he may lead. So this was Philip's testimony, and he was a witness there because what he did after that, because he followed, now Philip was Bethesda, and Andrew and Peter, and he found Nathaniel, and he said to him, man, I found him, the one who Moses and the law was talking about, and all the prophets wrote about. It's him. And what's he say? It's Jesus of Nazareth, and he's the son of Joseph. Well, it's pretty obvious Philip didn't quite have the whole picture yet. 
because he actually really wasn't from Nazareth. He was from Bethlehem, okay? Let's just be honest. Although that's the name that most commonly Jesus was known as back then. But get this, he said he's the son of Joseph. Yeah, he's the son of Joseph, all right, but he is the son of God. You see, Philip may not have had that whole picture, but it didn't keep him from telling other people about what he knew about Jesus. Can I say that today? Maybe you've had an experience with Jesus and you're new in your faith. And and, and man, you don't have to be a theologian and know all the scripture before you go out and you tell somebody about your testimony, about what Jesus has done for you, about what he means to you. And that's what Philip does. He goes out and basically he finds his friend, Nathaniel, Nate. All right. So that goes into our second point, because Nathaniel had a friend named Philip who thought so much of him that he wanted to share hope with him in Jesus. So the second point is this, if you're taking notes, who you rolling with? If you don't want to write it down in street terms, you can put, who are your friends? Who are you dating? Who are you hanging out with this year? Because it will make all the difference in your future. It's always a saying, you probably know it, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Birds of a feather flock together. You want to know what your future looks like? Look at the people you hang out with. If you don't want your life to look like them, find a new party. Biblical scripture backs that. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, do not be misled. What's misled me? Don't be deceived. Don't be tricked. Don't be fooled. Bad company corrupts good character. You won't change them. They will change you, is what that means. Break off. Doesn't mean you can't be an acquaintance, but you can't hang out with them, and you can't do what they do. Talk like they talk. Listen to what they listen to and watch what they watch. you got to break it off in 2024. Philip went to his friend. Nathaniel had a friend that pointed him to Jesus. Who are you hanging out with? So then I love how Nathaniel responded here because it's, it's, a, it's a true heart of somebody that well, we're going to see later what Jesus says about him. So Philip says to his friend, man, come, we found him. He's here, Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? What do you hear in that? Prejudice, maybe? How about some stinking thinking? How about some some old ways of thinking that maybe affected a new life that God wanted Nathaniel to have? So if you're taking notes there, third point we see, don't let your old way of thinking prevent your new way of living. Don't let your old way of thinking prevent your new way of living. God wants to do something new in you, and it's going to take a transformation of your mind. How are we transformed? How is this new creation? Man, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. The old's gone. The new's come. Why? So we don't conform to the patterns of this world anymore. You got to get rid of that stinking thinking. Because there's a new sheriff in town, and his name should be Jesus, and he should be Lord of your heart, and his word should rule over you. That's that biblical worldview we're going to put in through that truth project. Man, it's Lord of all. Because he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Which is he in your heart? Man, there's no in-between. So, what is Philip's response to this? He doesn't try to combat him, doesn't try to refute him, doesn't try to argue with him. Man, he's just going to say 
something pretty simple. Philip said to him, come and see. Won't you come and see? Won't you come and taste for yourself and see that the Lord is good? Remember, we had that message a couple weeks ago. We talked about that, man. You never had chocolate, and I was up here eating on some stuff, and boy, and I was like smacking my lips, and man, I had a little fan blowing back here, and you could smell it, and you never had it, and you, were, you could hear me, you could like smell it, but you're never going to know how good it is until what? You taste it. Guys, you've got to come and see how good Jesus is. You may have heard about him. You may have learned about him. You may see your friend and, and, and all that God's doing for him. But you're never going to taste and see for yourself. And your family's never going to know, dad, mom, until you're fully surrendered to the throne of Jesus. And you taste for yourself that he's good. Everything else in 2024 means nothing if we miss that. So... Point number four, just like Philip did, we got to invite others to come and see. That's our job, to go and spread the good news, the gospel, to be a witness for Jesus. Tell other people to come to church. Invite them to church. Man, there's 400 and some churches in this area, and there's still a majority of people in this community that will never walk in the doors of a church building. You've got to go out and reach them. Guys, Yes, invite them to church, but you've got to share your testimony and you've got to witness yourself. That's what making disciples in this church means so we can go out. That's the biblical model, by the way. We've got it flipped. We think that evangelism means invite them into the four walls of the church building and then let the pastor do the work. That's not it. That leads to a seeker-friendly church environment. You heard that word? Seeker-friendly means I'm not going to preach the full counsel of God's word because I don't want to step on anybody's toes and they leave and never come back. That's what seeker-friendly is. Seeker-friendly is a watered-down gospel because we're to preach the full counsel of God's word and trust and know that, yes, God's word does what it does. It teaches, it rebukes, it corrects, and it trains in all righteousness. It's a healthy conviction of a loving heavenly father. And, man, that's what God's word does for us. And we need to share. Can I tell you, man, this church, man, we would love to, to, to see more people come in, for more families to get discipled, more lives changed, more people impacted and trained and discipled and go out to reach more people. Do you know the best way for that to happen? It's not for us to spend money in advertising. It's not for us to boost Facebook posts. It's not for us to put fancy signs outside the church building with lights and fireworks. Impact church, come to church. You know what the best way to bring people to impact church is? You. You. Can I tell you right now, Satan will use people's tongues to pull people away from church, but God will use your tongue and your testimony to bring people to church. Who's going to win? Go get them. You know people and go to school with people and work with people that I don't. And they need Jesus and they need the word of God in their heart like this, falling fresh upon them. You got to go get them. That's the number one way to grow this church. Not by me preaching. Believe it or not. Matter of fact, I just run them away, all right? You bring them, I'll run them away with a word. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> guys, you got to go out and get them. You got to go out and reach them. Let God's word do what God's word's going to do. Man, I love this part. This next part is Jesus sees Nathaniel coming. Philip just says, come on and see. So obviously he did. He said, all right, I'll go. Jesus saw Nathanael coming, and he said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom 
is no deceit. Guys, Jesus said something that only somebody with an intimate relationship with, with Nathaniel would know. And Nathaniel is going to be one of the 12, by the way, that um, Bartholomew is what he's referred to as in the other gospels. So he's going to end up being one of the 12. But Jesus knows him before he even meets him. I want you to think about that. What does that say? What does that say? God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows us. He knows everything about us. And, and so he says that there's no deceit in this man. And there was a sense in this word that means there's nothing tricky or deceptive about Nathaniel. Boy, what better thing could the Lord say about a person? Man, that he's authentic, that he's not out for himself. He's not trying to get one over on somebody. Guys, today we live in a world and a society where people will tell you they have their back and as soon, you have your back and as soon as you turn it, they stab you in it. We live in that world, and it's inside the church today. And guys, what better quality could we shoot for in 2024 than to live a life of no deceit? That we don't wear a mask, that we don't talk out of both sides of our mouth, that we don't gossip, that we don't slander, that we don't do things to tear people down, that there's no deceit in us. Too many people today make decisions based on selfish motives. And intentions. And we may not know it, you may not know it, but you know who does know it? God knows it. God knows the motives of the heart. He knows why, why you serve. He, he, he knows why you do what you do. He knows the very motives of your heart. Is it to bring glory to God or is it for some kind of selfish motive in yourself? Nate was honest. And what came out of his mouth was in his heart. So for writing notes and our fifth point today is live with no deceit and selfish motives. Live with no deceit and selfish motives because God knows you. And, 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 and that, that should be more than just a convicting thing. That should be an encouraging thing. God knows you and he knew your name before you're even born. That's how special you are to God. I want you to think about that. Before your mom and dad, while they were sitting in the waiting room or at home, looking through the pages, why are we going to name our child? I don't know. What do you know? You like Philip? You like Brad? I don't know. God knew what your name was going to be before your mom and dad did. Come on, somebody. That's how special you are to God. He formed the innermost parts of your being. That doesn't mean, yes, he made your guts and your heart and your lungs and all that gooey stuff. But what that means is he made your soul. He defines your character and who you are. And guys, he wants to know you intimately. He wants you to know him. He already knows you. He wants you to know him. God knew Nathaniel and this warmth of saying, here comes a man with no deceit. How warm was that for the, for the God of all creation, for Jesus himself to say he knows a man before he even met him. How inviting is that? How inviting can I make Jesus to you today to tell you that he knew you before you were even born and he has a plan for your life? Won't you come and see who he is? Nathaniel was on his way and he was about to be changed radically, which is the next part. The man that said what good could come from Nazareth was about to say, I see what good can come because I'm going to see the son of the living God. His heart's going to be radically changed by Jesus. I'm going to tell you what, we have no example in scripture of anybody who authentically ever came to Jesus and their life wasn't changed. 
But how many times do you see today people to say, oh, I know Jesus, but their life looks the same as it did before they say they knew him? Guys, you don't have a single example in Scripture, and if you can find one, please let me know who it is, of a person that ever surrendered their heart, their life, and walked with Jesus that wasn't radically changed. There's no example of it. So should there be an example of it today? No. If you know Jesus, you will be changed. It doesn't mean it all changes immediately, but it will change. And, and you may not be where you want to be, but you're not where you were yesterday, baby, if you're with Jesus. And that's the walk that God wants to have through his spirit in you. It's the sanctification process. Next, we see this because Jesus is going to say something else because Nathaniel is going to say, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Oh, my goodness. Not only does Jesus know him, Jesus saw him. What does that say about Jesus? His omnipresence. Guys, he's everywhere. He doesn't miss anything. He knows our thoughts, he knows our character, and he knows our actions. He knows what we're going through. Every single thing. God doesn't miss it. So God sees you. He saw Nathaniel under the fig tree. And this phrase, under the fig tree, was a phrase often used by rabbis at the time to describe meditation on the scripture. So very likely, um, Nathaniel found himself under this fig tree in some type of, of fixation and seeking God through the scriptures. Maybe he was going through something hard in life. I don't know. Maybe he was seeking God in something. Who knows? We don't really, we're not really privy to that. But we can testify and know that whatever it was, that it was special enough that Jesus wanted to point it out. Because I believe Philip was seeking God for something. I believe he was seeking an answer. And Jesus was basically coming and saying, I'm the answer because I know you and I see you. Boy, how warm is that? I don't know what you're, what you're seeking for today. I know we went on a missions trip years ago to, to Alaska, and they had been witnessing to this one particular guy um, who, who was homeless, and he would always come to the park, and they were witness to him year after year after year. And, and man, we, we come in, and, and they come in one year, and he had come to this park, and he was about to kill himself, and nobody knew it. And he had told God before he left his apartment, he says, God, if you don't give me an answer today, I'm going to take my life. And so he went to this park, and these people were witnessing and sharing Christ, and they handed him a track. And on the track, on the front of the track, it said the answer. Oh, come on. And that guy broke down in tears and surrendered his life to Jesus. And he didn't take his life, but he found his life. Guys, today, I don't know what you're looking for to be your answer, but Jesus is the answer. And Jesus was telling that to Nathaniel. He's like, man, I saw you under that fig tree. Guys, that's huge. And then what does Nathaniel say? Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Remember, this is a man in which there was no deceit. You know, there's a lot of people today that just say words. They'll just call themselves a Christian. They'll call Jesus Lord, but their heart's not radically changed. Jesus even spoke to that in, in, in the Gospels, right? In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, he said, not everyone who calls me Lord is going to enter my kingdom, right? Why? Because you can say you're a Christian, you can call him Lord, but there's a difference between calling him Lord and he really is Lord in your heart. There's a big difference. So we know when Nathaniel said this, that this was not just words. There was no deceit in this man. What had come out of his mouth was in his heart. So what we see here is a radical change already in an encounter with Jesus of a man's heart. That he has a new direction. 
to walk in. Guys, that's what God wants to do for you. I don't know what, what the years past has brought your way, what 2023 had brought your way. Maybe there's some good times, maybe there's some bad times. There's probably some of both. But I can tell you what, that God wants to give you a new direction and a new life in him, no matter what it is. I believe every single one of us in this place, whether you haven't made a decision for Christ, what you're going to do today, or whether you've walked with Jesus for 20 years, I believe we can all go to a new level of surrender in Jesus. I believe there's another step of surrender. Lord, what's next? What do you want out of me so that it doesn't look like me or the things of this world and I can look more like you? Is that your heart? Is that your thought? It's a new level of surrender in Christ. So Nathaniel was, was under this fig tree and Jesus knew he was there and, 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 the, and, and Nathaniel was seeking something. There's very obvious in the scriptures. So he responds to this statement. He just made, Jesus answered in verse 15, he said, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Guys, Jesus just basically told him, man, you ain't seen nothing yet. You thought it was a big deal that I knew that you're a man of notice. See, you thought it was a big deal I saw you under the fig tree? You're going to come follow me? You're going to live a life without limits. See where that title came from? You ain't seen nothing yet. You're holding yourself back. You're living a life of safety and comfort. I want you to step out and follow me because we're going to do the impossible. What does God want to do through you and your family? And we've been living low-key, safe, comfortable. And God wants us to step out in him because we ain't seen nothing yet. We ain't seen nothing yet. Then what's Jesus say here at the end? It's verse 51. He says, most surely I say to you, Hereafter, you'll see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. What did Jesus just do right there? He referenced the story, guys, of Jacob's ladder in Genesis 28. You've heard of that, but let's read this account. Turn with me to Genesis 28, and let's read verses 10 through 17 in God's Word. And let's get this account. Because it doesn't say, again, we're not privy to this, but maybe, just maybe, what if... Nathaniel was under this fig tree and he was in a situation where he needed God to show up. You ever been there? Where there was a situation in your life where you just needed God to intervene and do something big. You needed heaven to be brought to earth in your situation. Maybe Nathaniel was under this tree thinking about this Old Testament passage of scripture right here. And he's thinking, God, I'm just like Jacob. I, I got my head on a rock and things ain't going well. And I need to see you intervene. Let's read this passage right here. Genesis chapter 28. Let's read verses 10 through 17, because if this is, in fact, what Nathaniel was thinking about, what greater impact than to see God answer his prayer, his meditation on his word right there to start with. Genesis 28, 10 through 17. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and had put it at his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. All right, where, why was Jacob in this situation? Anybody know? He's basically running from his brother Esau because his mama had told him, hey man, um, you see Jacob, you know what Jacob's name means? Deceit. <laughs> He's a man of deceit. What did Jacob do basically his whole life? Spent his whole life deceitfully trying to take his brother's birthright, right? And steal his blessing. 
So do you see the contrast from Nathaniel to Jacob that Jesus is already trying to portray? Here comes a man of no deceit. He's been seeking me and wants me to intervene. I intervened for Jacob, and he had things wrong. Look at this, verse 12, chapter 28 of Genesis. It says, then he dreamed, this is Jacob, then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. There's God's promise. Even, even though we're not faithful, God is faithful to his people. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Oh, come on. God finished what he starts. God finished what he starts in your life, guys. Verse 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Do you see that correlation? You see, Jacob had a vision, had this dream of a ladder from heaven to earth, and angels were descending and ascending on it. What does Jacob need right there when he wakes up? He's like, Man, surely the Lord's in this place, and I didn't know it. You see, Jacob was in a situation on a rock, with a, in a bad situation that he had really brought upon himself, to be honest with you. And he was still seeking for God to intervene on his behalf and to fulfill his promises, even though that he wasn't faithful, God was. And so he was seeking God and needed God to intervene. He needed a divine intervention. Can anybody testify to that in their life? going through a situation right now where you just need God to intervene. You need the spirit of the Lord to show up and and to, to change hearts, to change lives, to change situations, to change circumstances, to change your heart, to change your perspective. And maybe you just need heaven to open up because earth has left you hanging and hurting. That's where Jacob was. And then he said, God was there. And man, I didn't even know it. Almost missed it. So look at this. This announcement to Jesus, that that Jesus made to Nathaniel, rather, back in our passage in John, what we see is Jesus say something in verse 51. What does he say? Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on who? Son of man. Guys, who's the ladder? Jesus. Jesus is the ladder that connects the power of heaven to earth. I'm going to say that again because somebody missed it. This should be amen. Maybe y'all falling asleep, getting tired already. I don't know. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. (laughs) Guys, Jesus is the ladder. You want to see something intervene on your behalf in your situation, in your life? You need all the power of heaven to come and be manifested on this earth. His name is Jesus, and he's the ladder. You need the power of all the forces of angels of heaven to come and intervene in a situation to help your family, to help your marriage, to help your child, to help your health situation, whatever it is. God is able, and his name is Jesus. 
And through him, you have a ladder. What is a ladder, guys? What does a ladder do? Besides something you can fall off of and break your neck, all right? A ladder is something to connect you from a lower place to a higher place. Get this. It's also something that if you're on a higher place, something can be brought down to a lower place. Guys, it's a connection where we can have, yes, we're connected with this earth. We're on this earth, but we have all power and glory fulfilled through Jesus. We have a direct line to heaven through Jesus. So we don't have to worry and be consumed with the things of this world. So when the things of this earth shake, was in Hebrews passage says that you don't have to be shaken. Oh, come on. When this earth shakes and rattles, you don't have to be shaken in your spirit because we have a hope in Christ through the latter Jesus that's connected us with heaven. But also, that's a direct connection where all the power and glory of heaven can come and be manifested on this earth. That's why Jesus changed right there. Even though Nathaniel was right, called him the son of God, that's who he is in the Trinity, part of the Godhead. There's one God existing in three persons. You know that, right? All right, some people have modulism and they get this all confused. There's one God existing in three persons. They're equal in essence, but distinct in function. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All God, one, three, and one. So he recognized him as the Son of God, but then Jesus called himself the Son of Man. What does that mean? All that power I have and glory in heaven, I also have all power and authority on earth. Guys, if we could just get that, that would change our perspective. I don't know what you're going through, and I don't know what you're looking down the barrel of, but I can promise you this. If you knew that God was sovereign and in control, and he was uh, all authority even over everything and circumstances in our life, guys, it would change things. And we just had that message all through Esther, didn't we? It almost said even what Jacob said. God was here the whole time, and I didn't even know it. God was working on behalf of Mordecai and Esther behind the scenes when they didn't even know it. Guys, God's working in your story, in your life, on the people in your life, and you may not even know it. He's sovereign. So Jesus basically says, you're going to see some greater things. You ain't seen nothing yet. What you're going to see is supernatural. If you're taking notes, did I miss a point? Number six, God sees you. <laughs> That's important. God sees you. Live a life of hope and healthy conviction. God sees and knows. Live a life of hope and healthy conviction. But because of this, now we have point number seven. We can know that Jesus is the answer. He is the ladder that brings all the power of heaven to earth and to your life and situation. He is the ladder. We can take great hope and faith in that this year. So what are the greater things than this that he's pointing to? Jesus has already pointed to his omniscience. He's all-knowing. Jesus has already pointed to his omnipresence. He's all everywhere. Now what are the greater things than these that he's going to show him? His omnipotence, that he's all-powerful. And that's what we're about to see and what Nathaniel and the disciples are about to see in Jesus. Guys, this ladder brings two things together. And I don't know where 2023 left you. Maybe hanging and hurting. Maybe you feel like Jacob. And maybe you feel like you need a divine intervention in 2024. But guys, I don't know where you're searching, but your hope's going to be in that ladder, and that's Jesus. If you want to see the power and glory of heaven manifested on this earth in your life and your situation this year, his name's Jesus. Follow him. 
Seek him. Love him. Worship him. Live for him. Surrender to him. Adore him. Magnify him. Tell others about him. Guys, it's going to make all the difference. Or you can choose to just live in the past and not look forward to a life without limits that God wants you to have. You see, you can choose to live in the past, but you'll do that at the expense of your future. If you choose to live in the past, you'll do that at the expense of your future. God doesn't want you to do that. That's why you got to let go and you got to let God move in your life. God was there when Jacob didn't even know it. God's there right here, right now when you didn't even know it. Talk about letting go of the past, looking toward the future. I think of a passage that, that Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, when he said, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself to yet grasp hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what's ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Maybe that's a good verse for you to memorize going into this new year right there. Forget what's behind, straining toward what's ahead, because Christ has already won the victory, and all we got to do is live in it. I'm going to close us right now, as I know we're right at the end, and I'm just going to be super quick. In John chapter 2, verse 1 through 11, what does this look like? When God shows up, what are the greater things than these? What is this omnipotence that, that Christ is referring to to Nathaniel? We're going to see Christ's first miracle right here. Let's look. It says on the third day, this is chapter 2 of John. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, there, was a, there, was a, there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some water out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and then the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This is the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Guys, what's the purpose of that miracle? You can spend a whole message probably to right here in this one miracle. What's the overglaring purpose of this miracle? Let me tell you what it's not. It's, this miracle was not performed so that um, you and I could uh, get drunk and have an excuse to do so. It's not it. A lot of people may believe that and, and use that excuse. And I, I think of a, a, a story about a, a police officer who was following a lady on the road one day. And um, he saw her driving erratically and recklessly and swerving all over the place. So he pulled her over. And uh, we went up to her and was checking her license registration. And when he was doing so, he noticed she had a cup in her lap. And he said, ma'am, have you been drinking? What's in that cup? And she said, oh, it's just water. 
And so he's like, well, let me see that. So she hands him the cup, and he looks in it, and he sees that the liquid in there is, is, is clear. And he puts his face down to it, and he smells it, and he says, ma'am, he said, this isn't water, this is wine. To which the lady just erratically starts to proclaim, praise the Lord, he's done it again. <laughs> Guys, that is not why Jesus turned the water into wine, Okay. Why did Jesus turn the water into wine for? Can we first get this picture? Because I don't want anybody to leave here with scripture twisted on. Because Satan's good at that. Do you know Satan's good at twisting scripture on somebody? To jack you up and to make you or your kids or your somebody fail for something that's going to destroy their life? Would you believe that? Satan will do it. He'll twist scripture on you and make you fall. Let me read for you Proverbs. Ready? Let's go to Proverbs chapter 23. We're going to read verse 29 through 35. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine. Those who go in search of mixed wine. Ready for verse 31? Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like the one who lies down in the midst of the sea or like the one who lies at the top of the mast saying, they have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? Guys, I don't know if you know this or not. But when you read that scripture in verse 31, it says, do not even look on the wine when it's red and sparkles in the cup. Guys, whatever that is, I can promise you that's not what Jesus turned the water into in Cana. Because if he did, he just went against his word, didn't he? If it said, don't even look at it, surely he ain't going to produce something for somebody to drink it. Amen? Can I get an amen at least for that? So we have to know what this is. Can I tell you just real quick? Can I give you some truth? All right, because I got to run through this quickly. If you look in uh, the 1901 Jewish Encyclopedia, volume 12, page 533, for those of you who want to know where to find it, it says in the rabbinic period, what's the rabbinic period? The period around Jesus, okay? Yayin, that's the word for wine in the Bible, yayin. Yayin is to be distinguished from shakar, strong drink, because the former yayin is diluted with water and the lighter shakar, strong drink, is undiluted. Want some deeper? Pliny the historian described wine drinking in the day uh, around Jesus. It says that all, the wine was always stored in large containers called amphorae. The amphorae, when the wine was wanted to be drank, the, the wine was taken out of the amphorae and poured into a cratar, which was a large mixing bowl where it was mixed with water. From there, it was then poured into the kilix, which was the cup. So the wine never came straight from the amphorae in its full strength and went straight to the cup. It had to go through the mixing process with water. You want some more? The Talmud, the oral traditions of the day from 200 BC to 200 AD. What period is that? The period all around Jesus, okay? 200 BC to 200 AD, the Talmud gives the oral traditions of everything, told people how they were to dress, told people all about their wedding ceremonies. This was all the Jewish customs of the day and oral traditions. It says this in Shabbat 77a, in case somebody wants to go back and look that up as well. It says, wine that does not carry three parts water to one part wine is not wine, yayin, but is considered strong drink, shakar. 
So in other words, when you take three parts water to one part wine, at least, that is at least the minimum of what the water was turned into at Cana. What does that mean? That's less than 2% alcohol. That means you got to now drink 22 glasses to get the same amount as two. Do you see the difference there? That's why Jesus wasn't trying to get people drunk. So when the, the Bible says that the best was saved for last, that's best tasting. When wine ages, it gets better and smoother with taste, okay? But it never changes the alcohol content. Fermentation is fermentation, right? That doesn't change. When sugar changes to alcohol, that's fermentation. The alcohol content's there. It doesn't change no matter how long it sits. The flavor does. So what the, what the head waiter was telling him is, man, this is the good tasting stuff. I thought that stuff at the beginning was all right, but what you just made is the bomb. Guys, what is this miracle about? It's showing the omnipotent power of God over a situation where a family tried to provide wine for a wedding and when you ran out that was not to look good upon back then and in fact some people could be brought up on charges because of that so it was an embarrassment to the family so what the family couldn't provide because obviously maybe they didn't have the money to go out and buy more so Jesus did what they couldn't do for themselves how many of you today need Jesus to do what you can't do for yourself that's the purpose of this miracle not for somebody to get drunk okay so what you see, don't let Satan twist scripture on you, church. There's some truth out there I just presented to you. You can go back and look up all of it. Guys, don't let Satan twist scripture on you. This is an omnipotent miracle to show that God provides in abundance. There's your point number eight. What God provides is always in abundance. Point number nine, the power of Christ on earth is given in abundance and Jesus saves the best for last. That's point number 10. If I've missed the other point, it's God invites you to be a part and active in his plan. He asked the people to go fill the jars with water. God wants you and I to be active in what he wants to do in his plan for us on this earth. And Jesus always saves the best for last. That's heaven opened up on earth. That's the good news of this miracle, that God is a God that can reverse situations. That he is all-powerful. And that what comes last will be better than what comes first in your life. I don't know where you're at or what you're going through. But I can tell you that God is in the business of taking the lemons of your life and making lemonade. God can take a broken arrow and still hit the bullseye with your life if you'll let him. Will you give it to him? Maybe you feel broken right now. Maybe you feel like your situation's hopeless. God wants to show you that when his power is manifested on this earth and in your life and in your situation... Things change. And you may go the rest of your life, and don't, don't get me wrong, this isn't a prosperity gospel, that you come to Jesus, everything's going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise for you the rest of your life. Not necessarily, but there's guarantee. You know what? Jesus saved the best for last, even if your life is just a, a, a life of, of circumstances, of trials, and difficulties, and trying, and you draw your last breath, and you never see anything that, that you consider where God's showing up in your circumstance. If you're in Christ, do you know what? You still have the best for last. What is it? It's eternity spent with Jesus. That's the best for last that he saved. I don't care what you go through. I don't care. Cancer can't stop you. Uh, this world can't defeat you. People can't come against you enough because you are never defeated in Jesus. You have guaranteed delivery in Christ because he saves the best for last. So that means he can take yesterday's trip-ups and turn them into tomorrow's triumphs. Going into 2024, you need the power and glory of heaven to show up. His name's Jesus, and he's the ladder you're looking for. 
want you to lean him up against your life and let heaven come to earth and move in you. So what that means is then he can turn your life around. Maybe you haven't surrendered your life to him. Maybe you need to do that today. Maybe you've been searching for hope, searching for answers, and you've been looking for everything this world has to offer, and he's right there, and his name is Jesus. And when you give your life to him, you can say that the best part of your life is the rest of your life with Christ. You can say that when I surrendered and confessed Jesus Lord, now I can look to 2024 and the rest of my life knowing I can experience God's best and live a life without limits. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. I wonder if there's anybody here, you might just say, Brad, I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. And I mean surrendered. I mean make him Lord of my life. And I'm ready to do that right now because I'm tired of doing life on my own. And I'm tired of running. And I'm tired of fighting. And I surrender to Jesus right now. If that's you, I want to lead you through a prayer. And I want you to just give your heart, your life to Christ. Just like Nathaniel did. Say, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Is he Lord of your life? Make that happen right now. Or you might be in here. You might say, Brad, I made that decision to walk with Christ earlier in my life. But lately, man, I've, I've drifted. I've walked away from him. And I want to come running back to Jesus today. Just like the prodigal son, I want to come running back to my father's house and experience all the good to live a life without limits. I'm, try, I'm tired of living a limited life in this world in the pig slop of the world, and I want to come running back to my father's house. Jesus is calling you back. Would you come and see? Just come and see for the first time where to rededicate your life right now. Do business with Jesus and say, dear Lord, I admit to you that I've messed up. Lord, I'm a sinner, and I'm in need of you, my Savior. And I repent of my sin. That means I'm going to turn around to you and I'm going to depend on you to do the work of cleaning my life up. Lord, thank you for surrendering your life on that cross. And your body was broken. Your blood was shed. And you are the spotless lamb that was slain for the sin of all mankind. And that I could be set free. That you took my place. You took the punishment that was due me. And you put it upon your son. And Lord, I have my life to owe to you for that. Thank you for raising Jesus from the grave three days later, proving that he is God in the flesh. And he stands in victory over all hell, death, and the grave. And Lord, I want to claim and walk in that same victory right now in my life. Lord, my commitment to you right now today is from this day forward, every step I take, every breath I make will be for your glory. That I want to live a life in you that's a life without limits and experience your best. No matter what the trials and circumstances I face may be, I will trust in you. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye still closed. If that's you and you did business with God right there today, no one looking around, and you committed your life for the first time or you rededicated your life, I just boldly and unashamed want you to raise your hands. And Brad, I did business with Jesus right there today, and I'm not ashamed. I'm going into 2024 as a new creation. Amen. If I don't see you, God does. Put your hands down.
I know we're late, but we're going to close up like we do every week here at Impact. I'm just going to offer you an opportunity to put action with your feet to what God's doing in your heart. Let's stand to our feet. Let's sing with all our voice, sing with all our heart. Let's come right now as the Lord leads. Maybe you made a decision for Jesus. Maybe you need prayer over a loved one, a family situation, a financial situation, a health situation, whatever it is.